What up, this is your boy DJ EFN. You might know me as a drink champ, but first and foremost, I'm a proud father. I linked up with two of my other dad homies, Manny Digital and KGB, to start the Fatherhoods podcast. Each week, we bring you insider hip-hop stories, parenting, and advice and therapy. The saying is true, it takes a village, and we humorously serve as each other's trusted counsel in figuring out how not to screw up being a good dad. The Fatherhood Podcast. Beats, rhymes, and diapers. This episode of the Fatherhood's Podcast is brought to you by Fly Dad, where fatherhood stays fly. Check us out at flydadgear.com. Yeah, I'm a big fan. This oh, meeting you, is man. being recorded. All right. Yo, why did it, it? It sounds every time we press record on this thing, it sounds more and more like we're calling a prison. <laughs> like on them collect call things. Yo. Welcome back to another episode of the Fatherhoods Podcast. Today we are joined by the Bronx has a borough president, right? Um, but I look to this man as like almost like the governor of the Bronx, right? For a long time. He's been and he's not even originally from the Bronx. He he has impacted the Bronx youth in ways that I think most people wish they could. Well, maybe not most people. Some people wish they could, but have never really been able to. Um, I would I would dare to say, and Bourbon, well, I'd let the cat out of the bag, but it doesn't matter. You'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like what you've been able to do has likely saved the lives of hundreds, maybe thousands of, of young folks in, in and around the Bronx. Um, he is the co-founder and CEO of Renaissance Youth Center in the South Bronx. He has provided a service to the community that I think is unrivaled. Um, and when schools have been pulling budgets um, to not allow for af- uh, extracurricular activities like music programs, sometimes sports programs and other educational programs, Renaissance Youth Center has stepped up and provided these services for the youth of the Bronx in pretty impactful ways, garnering the attention of luminaries, politicians, you name it. All folks have been able to come down to the center, see this firsthand and leave with tears in their eyes um, with, with respect to the magnitude of the impact of what Bourbon and his staff have been able to accomplish. So without without further ado, mm-hmm. uh, Good friend of mine is joining the podcast today. His name is Bervin Harris. Awesome. Oh, we got sound effects and everything. It's on. Nice. Oh, this party hey. time. Hey. First thing, fatherhood podcast for allowing me to be up here. Uh, I think Manny, you're going to learn a lot about me. So you know about me as a producer, as a sports guy, and as a guy who's a social developer. But um, as a father, that I am first. And mm-hmm. the fact that I used to run fatherhood initiatives in my early my early day, um, I'm I'm excited to kind of talk about that a little, little bit. Yeah, and that's you asked my me a question. You said about thousands of lives, right? So this word is, you know, I used to say that hey, we we save hundreds, yeah, we sustain thousands. Hmm. But I'm probably not going to say that anymore. I'm going to say that we, we're saving thousands of lives, right? So I, it's been about alone, it's been about twenty years now, right? It's been about twenty years, and we and we work with about four thousand kids a year, right? Right. Running services. But when I say saving lives, I was always talking about the ones that were on the edge, the quote unquote at risk youth. But I, I'm going to present an argument and say that I think most of our youth are at risk 
You know, so just because I'm a C average student or a B average student, they're the ones who are cutters. They're the ones who are running away. When I say cutter, those are the ones who are, you know, on the edge of committing suicide. Those wow. are the ones who don't reach their shall be's, right? They never got a chance to be exposed enough to know that I could be another Manny. I could be a DJ EFN because I never met you. Mm. So you know what? We're saving those lives as well. So we're saving thousands, bro. Mm. And imagine so, what one what one is worth in terms of the reverberation of what that one person could create other lives and who they affect and, and stuff like that. Right. Absolutely. Look at what you guys do as a one, right? So you're affecting your spouses, your loved ones, your right. family, your children, the people you come in contact with. You're changing a culture and you're just one person. I, so I, I want to tell a very quick story about Bourbon. Um, actually, it's not even a story, it's just comments. He, so I mentioned all the things he's been able to, actually, some of them. He does way more than what I was able to introduce. Well, Manny, real, real quick. Yeah. How do you guys, how did you come to, to know Bourbon? Yeah, yeah. So is this, is this a story? This is it's part of it. Um, okay. So, so Bur- I came across Bourbon. So I worked at a, at a company many moons ago um, called EcomWorks. So EcomWorks was uh, founded by a wonderful woman, uh, Carol Alterescu. So Carol Alterescu's husband. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, Car- Carol's amazing. But her husband um, was... It is, well, it was until recently the chairman of, of Renaissance Youth Center. At the time, it was called uh, R- REMS, basically, REMS. And he, he, he was in the newspaper. His daughter got married. They had like a, you know, in the New York Times, they had like an announcement of the, of the wedding. And I happened to read it because it was thrown in the, in the office. And it was like, Howard, How, Howard out to rescue, blah, blah, chairman of this organization in the Bronx. And, me being from the Bronx and reading the summary of what that organization does in the Bronx, I was blown away. I was 19 years old, I think, at the time. And I was like, I don't know what, I don't know these people. I know, I don't even know Howard. I knew Carol. Now, but I was like, yo, Carol, how do I get involved in this? Because these are, this is me. The people that this organization is serving, that's who I am. I come from these streets. And one thing leads to another. I get introduced to Bourbon. Um, and from there, I've been attached to Renaissance, you know, ever since. And we've been able to bond and grow, develop a relationship ourselves so much so that I'm on the board of the organization now. Um, but what I was going to say also was Bourbon has this amazing ability of uh, hooking them and cooking them is the term that he uses. Right. So, like, let's be honest, like kids don't really want to get involved in an organization like a youth center if it doesn't have a quality bait to it. Today, that might mean video games, as an example, right? Back in the day, it might have been basketball or something that's connected to the streets that they could see as fun and entertaining and don't get considered like a herb or a punk or some sort of, you know, whack person. So he's been able to do that in a really effective way. And like, no lie, like he has single-handedly talk kids out right out of committing suicide in a moment's notice like the impact this man has like i have so much respect for but the father side of bourbon we haven't really talked about very much and you have four kids right 
three, three right. twins, and then your your daughter, twin boys and a daughter. Mm-hmm. All right. So talk to us a little bit about you as a father, because you right. you have an interesting dynamic with your kids and you know mother of your children right. and all that. I, I definitely want to do that. Can I just take one minute? No. And just explain to the listeners what is Renaissance Youth Center. Yes. Okay. Yes. Get your advertisement in. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're located right here in the South Bronx on 3rd Avenue, between 167 and 168th Street. For all of us who know this area, it's not the best area in the world. That being said, what we try to do is, is, is fill the gap, you know, that the school is not doing, the churches aren't doing. We try to figure out how can we do that. So we're the fathers to the fatherless and the mother to the motherless, if you will. And I'm a big believer in exposure. You know, so the big thing of what we do is music. And I would probably guesstimate and say, because there's nothing written anywhere, that about 90% of our public schools don't have music programs in them. I'm talking about no orchestra, no band, no dance, no sing-along, no nothing. And so we go out, we're currently right now in 27 different schools that we service, and we bring those music programs. And then we have our own Mecca location right here, where I have uh, 30,000 square feet. Right now I'm sitting in, in our recording studio. I'm big on quality. So when a kid walk into a program, if you're my coach, you better play somewhere, man. You better know about coaching mm-hmm. and don't just scream at me and curse at me. Right. So it's, a, it's about building those kinds of relationships as well. And you're right, man. It's never been about getting a kid to the to the NFL, or NCAA. But can I get you to become a law abiding citizen with something positive to offer society? And I do that by offering this carrot of basketball or music get you in the door and offer you social development and academic enhancement, right? So that's what we're really all about. Heavily involved in STEM right now. we got this new thing called the robotics uh, robotics program. I actually am calling it Codebotics because uh, I'm learning about coding and robotics. Um, but that's what we do here at Renaissance Youth Center. So I just want to kind of put that plug out there. And if you have any talented young people who are in the five boroughs, we have auditions going now for the MWAM band. The MWAM band does about 100 shows a year everywhere. Um, and we look for talented young people from the ages of six to 21, and I pay them to tour with me throughout the summer. Wow. All right. So if you know DJs, dancers, musicians, singers, bring them. Um, we're all about that life. All right. And, and, and MWAM but, stands for music with a message, by the way. Music with a message. Absolutely. But you ask a question. That question is a very good question. Um, um, I, I was. I have two boys. They're twins. Um, you might. I'll tell you who they are. Um, I'm that proud papa. Um, and whatever I say, I'm, I'm cool about it. Um, they were in the group Exit 21. So they were social media. Everybody was in there. They had that pony song banging on the table. Uh, all those guys um, came up through here taking lessons. But two of them are my sons. And then I have a precious daughter. Um, she's my oldest. And, um, yeah, I learned a lot thinking that I'm going to get married and stay married for the rest of my life. I'm going to raise this happy family with the picket fence the whole nine. I got my house in Long Island. We chilling. And then that D word shows up. You know, this is the second D word. The first D word got, you know, got, got my wife pregnant. Second D word. <laughs> <laughs> that's that divorce. And that's a process that no man is ready for. Women are ready for because they talk about it. Brothers, we sit right there at the urinal, right next to each other, taking a piss, and we don't give any information. We don't say a word. It's it's illegal to speak when you're in the job like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a violation. Right. Right. None. (laughs) Manny's a chatterbox, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So so it was tough raising your your children when situations are bitter. You know, so first I took that road. All right, well, cool. 
you keep the house, you keep this. I'm going to go to L.A., do my music thing. I left. Boom, boom. My kids went wayward. And so I came back and had to go to court and fight for custody of my children. And I actually won custody, full, you know, won custody of my kids. And that's a hard thing for a father to do yep. unless the mom is cracked running on the street butt naked. Right. But this was a good woman. And so one of the things I represented and said to the court, I'm going to say this, I know you want to talk about kids, but I want to encourage every father who may be listening to say, hey, man, I'm never going to win in court. You're right. If you get that attorney who believes that I represented myself. And, and the question I asked the judge, Manny, I said, we're, we're running into a time where you will have same sex marriages standing before you. There'll be two men or two women. Now you have to choose who's the best parent, not who's a good parent, but who's the best parent for these children. And so I, my argument to them was, I am the better parent, right? Based on the things I had done and for my kids and what I was in their life. And, and the court bought into that and they granted me custody of my kids. And so I was able to, to raise my kids. And so I, I try to encourage all fathers, like, don't just pay that bill, child support, you know, and think that you can't have custody. Nah, mm -hmm. fight for custody for your kids. Can I ask, and Kay, because we can't see you, I don't know if you're prepping a question, but I'll, I'll turn it to you in a second. You, you got in that situation, Bourbon, and yeah, I think most guys would, would agree, like, it's probably not going to be in my favor, so almost like, why fight it, right? Yeah. But there's also, that's also the excuse, right? It's like the easy way out a lot of times. What made you decide, yo... I'm going to fight this because I believe this is the right thing to do. For some, it's an excuse. But it's a reality. No, for sure. I mean, if you, if some you people just been on the family court on a Monday morning, ah, chill. that line wraps around the corner of fathers disputing the opportunity to see their children. I didn't know that existed because everything we heard about many fathers of color is that they're shiftless, lazy, and irresponsible because we see them. But we don't see the one that's online fighting for that opportunity. And when I first went and I had to say, this is the line for me to, you know, try wow. to get custody of my kids. I had to get on that long line and to have everybody yell at you, everybody scream at you for every judge that you stand before and you say something to, they look at you as that you're nothing. That's a hard position and you walk away defeated. But you know what? You're right, man. You got to have that made up mind that says no matter what, my kids are that important. I think you know? also what's important to to kind of clarify or point out is that you said that she, you know, your ex-wife was a is a good woman. Yeah. So it was it wasn't a situation because many people will get into these child custody disputes to spite each other. You genuinely thought that your children were better off with you, not because she was bad. You just thought you were the better parent. That's important to highlight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I'm not the only one. There are several other fathers out there who are the ones that take their kids to the dentist appointment, to the doctor. You make sure your kids are fed, that they're happy. You create a nice home environment, right? right. Doesn't mean that she's a bad woman, but you're that glue. Right. Why would you give that up? You know? Um, so, yeah, I just, if nothing else on this call, if any parent, any father out there, and here's what I would say, and this is why I ended up starting a father support group. And I remember when I first started it, there was a, I had a bunch of men in the room and one guy was an old dude, maybe about 70, 80 years old. And he says, it's always been this way, Harris, that fathers, you know, mothers were this way and fathers were that way. He said, I remember he never met his dad until he was like 18 years old. 
and he's from like Alabama, some country place. And he says he was sitting on his step. And he says he asked his mom, could he meet his father? He said, you want to meet your daddy? You want to meet your daddy? You see that man right there pushing that wagon? That's your daddy. Mm. And he said he would always see this man pushing the wagon. <laughs> <laughs> and he never knew that was his father. So what am I saying? This kind of behavior, this kind of like, you know, like not having a dad, the child being far with the father because of vindictive behavior or angry or whatever of the system, as we say, has always been. You know, but it's the made up mind that makes the difference, right? Like, no, nothing's going to stop me from being with my children. Yeah, I'm wondering how you dealt with the uh, the actual physical distance. So when, you know, the divorce happened and then you're, you know, you're on one side of the country, your kids and your ex are on another. Yeah. How, how, Man, how, did, you men you. how did you mentally deal with that? That was rough. And it, and it wasn't the right move to make. What I felt was like, hey, this is a this is not a healthy environment. I don't want my kids to see us argue or go through these differences. You can have a whole town. Matter of fact, keep the whole city. Right? Right. So I broke out. An opportunity came for me to do a stage play in, in, in Los Angeles. I hopped on the plane and I set up where I can come back every five weeks. And I would spend a week, go back, go back. And it just it crushed my kids. You know, it really did. And they started acting up the whole nine. So I left that situation and came back to New York and, um, you know, fought for custody, as I mentioned. But also that was the birth of Renaissance, Manny. Ah. <laughs> so yeah. when I came back, I was like, man, what am I going to do while I'm out here? And I started this nonprofit. So not only did I become a full time father to my three but I came a full-time father for hundreds of other kids. Right. And it was a great way for me to spend a lot of time with them because I was their basketball coach, their track coach, their music teacher. You know, it, it worked out perfectly fine. It could have been scripted better, you know. Let, let me ask you, and I, I feel like we might have touched on this in our in our history together, but I don't think I ever got like a complete answer. So I'm going to ask here, what from your past inspired or motivated you to do what you do today? Like, Particularly yeah. like that because you do treat every individual that you come across as a family member, dare I say son or daughter, depending on their age. Yeah. Right. Like what, what was that in your upbringing or how did you end up getting to this point? That's, that's a good. That's an easy answer for me, man. Um, there are a lot of kids who have a mommy and daddy at home, but have no parents mm. who are supportive. Right. So. I just wrote a song. The song is called Care For Me. We're going to release it this summer. And it talks about that. Where My mom felt like being a good parent is like food is on the table. You got shoes on your feet. And that's it. Her job is done. I take the church on Sundays. So here's a guy like me. I'm playing football. I'm running track. You know, playing basketball, science fairs. I'm involved in everything. My parents have never seen anything. Sir, as you know, I'm a musician. Capitol Records, the whole nine. My parents have never seen me play keyboards. Play a, this, this, my mom saw me play drums in church. Outside of that, never saw any of those things. And then it left a void for me. You know, um, Q, who I started the organization with, he told a story once. And he says, hey, man, I remember one game I was playing at St. Bonnie. And I looked over in the corner and I didn't see my dad. And how it bothered him the whole half of the game. But the second half, my dad was there. And then and I was like, Dad, I ain't never seen my dad mm -hmm. at a game. So one of the things I wanted to always do is be there to support kids. You know, so even the kids that I meet, 
whether it's Renaissance event or not. Mr. Harris, I'm going to play at my school. When is it? I go show up. Is your mom coming? No, dad can't make it. All right, I'll be there. Parent teacher conference nights. I'm there. So I show up to all these different schools all the time and stay in, in, in space for these kids um, on a regular. But that's the boy that I didn't have, you know, and I had two parents. That's, that's it's a great point. Like it, it seems it seems like a lot for your kids to to have to share you with everybody. Like, does that have any impact at home? Great insight, man. You you spot on, boy. Woo! You know what? When we were going through it, I didn't never knew it. When they got older, they talked about it. Cause we were going through it, because we always had someone at the house hanging over, hanging out, you know. And it was always an extended friend or extended family member. So they always enjoyed it. But as they got older, maybe my daughter, you know, and it's because a lot of kids will call you Pop Harris. or that's my dad. He's like a father. And, you know, my daughter would be like, hey, easy. You know, I'm the only girl. Hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it did have a little bit. And it's, 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 it's gone circle, full circle. In the beginning, I didn't know because they were they were loving, enjoying, like, who's coming over? Then they, they talked about it. But now that they're more mature, they talk about it all the time. Like, hey, daddy, I'm sorry for even feeling that way. Because this is like a calling on your life. Like, these kids need you. Da, da, da. And I say, hey, you know, you guys, you know, they've matured into that. But there was a point in time where they felt some kind of way. But Have how you do been you... Able to... Wait, sorry, Kay, but to yeah, just follow ahead. up on the, on the question, like, how do you as a as a parent, like... How are you able to juggle all this? Because me, I mean, just I'm just thinking about myself with my two kids. Like, it's it's a lot of attention, a lot of nurture, a lot of time, and now you're giving almost the same to to an entire borough. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I look like I have. I act as though I have a job and and a part time job. So I do a lot of hours, right? But I make sure that my kids get their own time as well. So, I mean, I was a I was a PTA president at their school. I coached at their school as well. I mean, so the bigger question is, when do you sleep, right? So right. I really did sleep. So I went from working um, here and then always being with them. So every fishing trip, every camping trip, we did it all just as a family without the outside influence. You know, so I made sure that I made that kind of time for them. And even with my twins, I have twin boys. And people don't realize twins need their own time as well. Right. So there are some times where one twin got to stay home. You and I going to dinner or you and I just going outside in the back and we're going to shoot some hoops mm -hmm. um, just to build that bond. But it's it's it was a lot and a lot fell on me, you know, more so than, you know, just not not getting any rest to make sure that my own family had that time. And your wife, your loved one or your spouse or even friends. Manny always wants to come over. I haven't had Manny over yet. Yeah, foul. <laughs> we're, we're damn near neighbors. And this guy doesn't invite me over, but it's cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to definitely make that happen, though. Oh, you know summer. how many years I've been hearing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's some no. good insight, DJ. You're right on it, though. Okay, Kay, uh, you had I, something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering how, I mean, this kind of goes along with, you know, your your kids and then your extended kids, you know. How are you able to get your extended family, these these kids that you come into contact with, to trust you? And do you find that, you know, the, the way that you're able to get them to open up and, and hopefully trust you maybe doesn't necessarily work with your own kids or didn't work that way? 
I mean, mm-hmm. kind of knowing that they didn't tell you how they were feeling early on and then confided in you later on. Like, how do you, how do you balance that trying to figure out the, 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 the trust and getting them to open up? Yeah. Uh, great question, man. Uh, trust is never absolute, right? So, you know, you, you, no one ever trusts you 90, 100% of the time. Uh, my children and I, we, we have a really great relationship. And even them, there are things, of course, all kids are going to pull over your eyes <laughs> that daddy just didn't know about. And it's funny, man, because, and I'm going to talk about the other kids in a second. I'm going to talk about my own children. Sometimes that, that trust and respect almost looks like fear. Because I used to tell people that sometimes you can't tell the difference of respect and fear from a distance. I remember going to the doctor because I would take them to all their doctor's appointments. And my daughter, you have to really hog tie her to get a needle, right? So she goes, all right, Mr. Harris, we're going to need you in here. So I said, all right, fellas, y'all sit right there. I'll be right back. I go in the back with your sister. And I'll be going in the back. And all you hear is screaming and yelling, da, da, da. And we come back out. And there was a woman. She was in the waiting area. She said, oh, my God, they sat right there. You must whoop that ass at home. I tell the boys didn't move. <laughs> so I said, nah, I don't. I don't spank my kids. Um, but there's just that level of respect. The dad says, sit here. So we're going to sit here. And so how did you get there? You earned that. You know, so even in discipline, there's something called aggressive discipline and there's an inductive discipline, right? The aggressive discipline is my mom. You know, my mom was like, mom, can I go outside? No. Why? Because I said so. Get out my face. <laughs> that was mom's answer. But I went to my dad and said, Pop, can I go outside? He said, well, bourbon, it's raining outside. You don't want to get your clothes wet. I said, you know, I am a fly guy, Dad. You're right. You make a great point, you know. But we learned something from that. Number one, I can go to you. I still don't get to know. But you gave me no with a reason. And I still felt a level of dignity. That's called inductive discipline. People don't want to take the time to do that, right? But it, that's what makes a relationship better. But to answer your question specifically about other kids, I try to earn their trust. And I try to earn their trust like the uncle that comes over your house doesn't want to be bothered, right? So if you ever notice, we had a family affair. There's the auntie who goes, is that my baby? Oh, my, come here and give me some sugar. I love you. Those are the ones that the kids run from. Like, oh, right? When it's the one that's sitting over there, he wants to have a cold beer, don't want to be bothered. The kids <laughs> go to him. They want to pat him. They want to sit on his lap because there's something true about you. You're being yourself. And so what I do with the kids, I make myself available. The kids are here in the program. They know Harris is always here. I have an open door policy. And then it's like I earn your trust. In your darkest moments, you know that you can come here. And the moment you're there one time, 2 o'clock in the morning, you're in the middle of the streets. You're at a park. you got no place to go. I'm the one that's coming to grab you, get you out of jail, the whole line, because we know the precinct pretty well. Yo, the word gets around. Yo, Harris got your back. You know, so that's how we try to do it. And, of course, Like I said earlier, we try to offer quality service. So when you walk in this room, you're not going to see a studio or music room or a Zoom room. We got a whole zoology downstairs, you know, with snakes and fish and crazy stuff downstairs. When you walk here, you're like, yo, this is a blessing to be here. I'm going to respect this place. So those are some of the things that we try to do is the quality and, and, and just earning that level of trust. You said something a little bit ago about how you create pockets of time across all three of your children that's dedicated to them. Yeah. We just came back from, from a trip to, to Florida um, visiting sick family member and something resonated with my wife as we were having this, you know, going through this trip, our kids 
almost all three of them individually had a said some comment. It was subtle. And if you weren't really paying attention, you wouldn't think anything of it. But she, my wife caught it. And it was, I forget the exact words that they used, but each one of them at separate moments said like, almost like they wanted to have one-on-one time with their parents, right? And I'm paraphrasing. And she took it really, my wife took it really serious so much so that we like mapped out a plan almost like an outline of like how we're going to do this. Cause we've got a 15 year old, we got a eight year old, we got a six year old. So we can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's been that long since you told me that I can come over and now <laughs> my kid's a teenager. Um, <laughs> so now we're 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 kind of thinking about something that you, exactly what you just said. It's like, all right, how do we how do we activate that and have it be something that's consistent? Start it off like on a monthly basis and pull each one out, spend quality time with them, like outside of just in the living room. Like, let's go out yeah. with them somewhere, do something that they individually enjoy and make sure the other two are taken care of while we go and do that as mom and dad. Yeah. And so, and, but it hit me. I'm like, yo, like if I wasn't, if she wasn't there to catch that, I would have missed that. And yeah. that is probably going to be really significant in this next, you know, version of our parenting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's very important. And it's, it's, it's tough, Manny, you know, busy as you are, you got a lot going on as well. Like, where does that happen? But you know what? That 20 minutes, that half hour, that hour, that half a day based on what you're doing is way more valuable than a family dinner. Right? So you find out what it is that they want to do, what they want to, you know, and some, most of the time it's not about what you're doing. It's just like, I just got you to myself. Yeah. You know, and maybe there's some things I didn't want to say among my other siblings, or maybe I don't even want mom to know. And if I'm with mom, I don't want dad to know. But now I just got you. Can I ask you a question? Mm. Right? And that question has been lingering for two years. But I never had you alone like this. Mm. It's It's critical. It's deep. Let's talk a little bit about what you do for... So, and I hate to say it this way. You're probably going to beat me up for this one. But, like, people who get incarcerated, I look at as, like, and not, not that I look at them or feel this way, but society, I feel like, treats people this way, like a forgotten population, right? The, child, the children of those that are incarcerated, I'd argue, are even more invisible than the prisoners themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because at a minimum, the per- people behind bars have some social interaction with other people. They are a statistic somewhere. They're getting fed, like we know where they're at and kind of what they're dealing with for the most part. Right. The, the children that are left behind are left with a disaster. Many times, sometimes they're single parent homes. So now they're kind of on their own. The government steps in, like there's all these different things that they have to contend with. And there's a shame involved in their ability to really just be who they are. Right. I, I know you've come across kids in the program that have been through this how do you help in those circumstances to help, you know, to help them deal with that, but also just try to live a normal life? Yeah. Um, there's, there's two things, right? Number one is that you try to meet them where they are. And one of the things that we do a bad habit as social developers or practitioners, we always assume that they're going through something. 
Are they going through this? Oh, your dad isn't here, so you're going through that, you know? Or, you know, you're in a shelter, so you're going through a lack of belonging, right? Uh, no, you won't know until you ask them, until you get that kind of quality time to kind of figure it out, try to be there. A lot of times what all these young people are looking for, if you can imagine, Manny, because you helped me one time with a boys to men group we were here, we were doing. And if you remember one, I don't know if you were with us on that night, I had to go speak at one police plaza for something. And then I took them with me <laughs> because I'm committed to them. Every Wednesday night was theirs. I don't care what's happening. I'm going to be there. And a lot of times that's the lot of these kids are missing. It's like the consistency that are you going to be there? And so I and told the them, I said, hey, I got to speak at this event, but y'all coming with me. <laughs> So I took them all, and and it was it was crazy because when I got up on the dais to speak, I brought all the kids up with me. I said, "I want you to give a hand to my boys to men wow. group. You know, we get together every Wednesday. Da da da. I'm so proud of these young guys. They were just there, like, hey, I did a whole speech, and they stood right there. But you know what was crazy? That was a big moment for them. Yeah, I remember. They that. felt like oh, you took us up there with you, and we sat on the stage with you. So what am I trying to say? Like, it's just being there consistently without any excuses right and i said there was two things the other thing is that man i, I have a love hate for parents i know i know i'm on the fatherhood show I, I get it but i really do um parents are a lot of times the major part of our problem which is i'm sure why you you have this show to address those things that we are ignorant about ignorance is lack of knowledge right so you can spend all time you know talking about conflict resolution, negotiating skills, and how to effectively communicate. But unless you get mom or dad in the room, sometimes you're, you're spinning wheels. And so what I try to do now a lot is um, work with the parents as well. Like you already know, I have a program called I Belong, which is a recidivism program. So for parents who are formerly incarcerated, on probation, you know, so on and so forth, I have a program for them. We come here, we have dinner. I do a social development class. I get them up here on some musical instruments, writing some songs, just so you're not thinking about what's happening because I'm playing Mental Ninja. I'm all up in your mind, right? <laughs> Rent free. <laughs> yeah, it's really about empowering them, right? That's really what it's about. So when you leave here, you're better than what you were when you came. And so we have to address this. We can't forget about them, Manny. You know, we are definitely a full community, those who are formerly incarcerated or not. We got to figure out how to, you know, we have that total inclusion. Yeah. And that's a process that's not happening. A gentleman left me today, perfect example. He's incarcerated for seven years. And he came in and his resume just said, lie, 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 lie. So <laughs> I said, yo, man, be honest. Where you been? He says, yo, man, I was incarcerated. I said, go. That's part of the step, right? So now let me see if I can get you on board because you got to be fingerprinted and stuff like that to be around kids. So I got to see what you're incarcerated for. But I can write letters on his behalf based on what he's done. But I can see he's a father, he got two kids. He's trying to figure it out. But when you get out of prison, they don't have, there's not a program for you. You gotta go figure it out. And you can't get a government job. You can't work for the, you know, for the for for um for the state or for the city. So only private institutions can hire you, and they're very selective. You know, so yeah, we we, we gotta work with the the child and also, you know, figure out how we can get reach the parent. And I, I'd imagine that that working with the children. It goes back to the having that ripple effect because when the person's incarcerated comes out, there it's so rough for them already. For them to come back to maybe a child that's having problems, that could be the one thing that they throw up their hands and and go back in the system because they can't even cope with that. So yes, by what sir. you're doing by helping and supporting these children 
while they're dealing with their incarcerated parent, that's helping the parent come back and kind of gradually come back into the, into the community and kind of give them some hope. Okay. You know, wow. It's like the community, the village that's helping. Yes. Thank you. When he was here, I said, man, I don't know if I can hire you. We'll, we'll fingerprint you, get you in the system and see what's up. But I gave him a tour of the whole facility. I said, whether I can hire you or not, you got two children. I want to show you what we do here. And he was just like, yo, man, I'm here for an interview. You're just overwhelming me, man. And he said, just what you're saying. I'm looking for something to get them involved in. You're helping me find something for my kids. Yeah. You know, so that is critical and important. And we don't have a directory. You know, if you go to another town, you're you're in. I won't tell everybody where you live at. You live in where, where all the rich folk live at, Manny. But <laughs> when we go to your, <laughs> when I go to your, oh. when I go to your town, there's a directory that tells you everything that you can do where you live. Yeah. Where's a swimming program? Where who has this? Da, da. In New York City, it has more programs than any place in the country. We don't have a directory. So one of the things I started even you know starting we have the um, this is not a plug. Uh, we have an app that we are we are working on um, for teenagers. So if you come and say, "Hey, man, I, I want to do fencing. I want to go. I want to do high. I want to do diving. I, I want to do these types of things that are untraditional that you can't find. Where do you go?" And I'm having this app run by young people. We're going to populate it this summer, and it's called Youth Connect, I believe. We yeah. got the app developed. Now I just got to populate it. But yeah, it's important to be able to find things that get kids involved and they can connect to. That's ill. So, damn, I didn't, I didn't know we were doing that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, boy, remember? Yeah, that's what's hey, happening. I mean, <laughs> good job, Manny. If you invite me over, maybe we can have these conversations more often. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Yo, but, but, but on that note, um, because I gotta go, you know, handle some stuff right now with the kids. But the yeah. the thing I want, I, I just want to give you an opportunity before we head out of here just to um, give us a little bit more insight into how interested people here that might be listening might want to get involved. I know you're tied to the five boroughs, but are there things that you're either doing now or considering doing that can tie more communities into Renaissance? Absolutely. Well, the MWAM band travels all over the country and you know that already, right? So once again, it's an opportunity to see teenagers in a positive light. So we go out with that show. Um, we are starting to do some things in New Jersey. Um, not totally. My thing is, where where's the need, right? Uh, we want to go where the need is at. The other thing is that we've become virtual. So nobody asked for COVID. COVID just showed up at our doorstep. And one of the things, we weren't prepared to do virtual classes, but now we are. So those of us who are listening, you can probably put in the bottom, renaissanceyouth.org, renaissanceyouth.org. So if you go to that website, click on virtual, there's piano lessons, lessons drum lessons, guitar mm. lessons. Uh, we have cooking classes, you know, STEM classes. Um, so, yeah, get involved. That's all over the country, all over the world. You can get involved in that sense. The other thing is that we're looking for partnerships. You know, one of the things that young people don't get an opportunity to do, and fathers don't either, is, like, how do we find like-minded individuals? Let's, listen, five boroughs, we got 1.7 million between the ages of 18 and 24. Where are they? They're not in the parks. They're not in the shopping malls. Where are they? And so we're losing a whole generation of people who can't even socialize. And so um, we're looking for people that we can kind of partner with, interact with. So that's something else that we, we want to get involved with. So if you're doing anything like-minded, like what we're doing, let us know. We come to you. Collaborate. Oh. Collaborate. 
Yeah, yeah. And if I could say in, in my closing remarks, I know you got to go. Um, I just want to encourage all fathers. I really do. You know, it, it, it's hard being a male, being a male of color. It's, 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 uh, and it's really tough being a father um, these days. And many, if you're not a father who's with your, you know, with your, with the baby's mom, or however we call it, baby mama, uh, it's tough. And I'm going to tell you, rise above. Have a fixed in your mind that no matter what, I'm going to be there. I don't mean be there by getting a pair of sneakers, buying some shoes, or showing up to a baseball game every now and then. I mean, like, really being there in that dark moment when that child. We have so many kids that are thinking who are cutters nowadays. So we, we talk about cutters. That means you're just cutting yourself. That's not a female thing anymore. Mm -hmm. It's male and female. And you're talking about a darkness, right? Ask kids to roll up their sleeves and you're here you are 9, 10, 11 years old and you're already sexually active, right? And you don't even know what you're doing, right? So fathers need to be involved in that sense. And so I just want to like plead to all the dads who are doing it, congratulations, keep doing it. But then pick up another child. Like I can't handle all of them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you see a kid on your block, <laughs> listen, help him out. You want to train? If, you know, I understand we get a little nervous and scared sometimes. I get it. I respect that. But if you're not, yo, educate somebody, another child, grab somebody. Yo, we, we need it. This world is it's, 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 it's getting scary, really, really scary, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I like discovery channels. And so there was a, it was a thing about the rhinos and the elephants and the rhinos were killing the elephants. And so they had a specialist come in and say, hey, what's going on? Because whenever you go to the zoo, they always hang out together. And the guy was looking and says, hey, wait a minute. These are all teenage rhinos. They don't know better. So they went and got adult rhinos and put them into the, the inhabitants who basically taught them, like, man, we don't kill the elephants. We kind of inhabit. So it's the same thing that we're going through here. Right. So our young boys and girls just don't know. And we as adults aren't saying anything and they need to have a male's perspective. So it's, it's, it's something that EFN talks a lot about on Drink Champs. Like when you look at so you take that same sentiment, that context, you apply it to hip hop the generational divide between generations of hip hop, right. there hasn't been a good handoff from one to the next in order to help folks kind of find yeah. their path. And the older generation is afraid of being older. Like stop being afraid of it. Embrace it. We could find our own path. We could still be cool in our own way. We don't have to yes. act like the youth because that's what, what kind of example is that to the youth? Yes. Totally agree. Let me ask you a question. Did the young population accept Nas' performance the other night because he was blazing. I mean, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, hope I think. So. The, I think the bigger question is: Did they even know that that happened? Because they're probably not even paying attention. They're not watching TV. <laughs> well, right. I was watching some clip the other day, and it was like you know, it was about Gen Z and and music, and they started playing, talking about different groups and playing music. And, uh, you know, they, they brought up Ice Cube and they played Today Was a Good Day. And the kids were like, uh, yeah, this is a cool song. Never heard it before. I only know him for, you know, being a, a, a movie star. And hmm. wow, they're not checking, you know, they're not checking for, <laughs> for, for that. So that just kind of shows you what we're up against. We, we, we missed there was a there's kind of like a middle connector layer that somehow we missed. Um, to, to bring the the ages together and i don't know where we slipped up yeah 
Perfect, man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, once again, if you are interested, renaissanceyouth.org. No funky spelling. That's the actual word, renaissanceyouth.org. Find out more. We could always use help, financial, uh, you know, all sorts, services that you guys provide, anything, uh, recommendations, all of that. The center needs it. The youth need it. And yeah, check. Bourbon's got a dope YouTube page also. Bourbon, how do they find you? Bourbon, B-E-R-V-I-N, Harris? Yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Harris, Mr. R-Y-C. Harris. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to get. All right, I'm going to show up to your house tomorrow whether or not you, <laughs> I'm invited. So prepare yourself. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. All right, brother. You thank you guys for having Much me. respect, man. Keep up the good, great work, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child.